or like they would ask him questions that you might ask a writer and then he'd be like well why don't you ask marcy the writer she's literally right here next to me welcome to push in the cinevic podcast i'm your host joyce klein coming to you from the unceded territory of the lekwungen speaking peoples otherwise known as beautiful victoria british columbia canada Victoria and Vancouver filmmakers are already familiar with the gazillion award-winning filmmaker Jeremy Lutter, and so today I'm interviewing his creative collaborator, Marcy Waftel, the writer-producer of both their internationally acclaimed short film, Giltrude's Dwelling, and their new wildly popular crime drama podcast series, Ghost Town Killer. Marcy may be relatively new on the indie scene, but she's already made a big splash. In 2019, her screenplay, Burden and Blood, was selected for Vancouver Women in Film and TV's Tricksters and Writers program, and she produced Hey Cousin, a short Indigenous web comedy funded by Telus Story Hive. I'm super excited to pick her brains on the making of Ghost Town Killer. It's an honor to welcome such an accomplished fellow podcaster. Welcome, Marcy. Oh, thank you for the very warm welcome. Scene one. The podcast has a really brilliant conceit in that the protagonist, Lilith, is a paranormal investigator with her own podcast, which is a genius way to incorporate narrative. Is that something you came up with right from the start? Yeah, we actually started developing this idea for a TV series, and we had this podcaster character in there. And then when the pandemic hit, it kind of put a lot of our development activities on hold. And we thought, hey, we have this podcaster character in here. Why not change the story to be from her point of view? Which was interesting because it was a lot harder than we thought it would be to change something from a visual format to an audio format. I don't know. I find murder mysteries, a lot of the time, they rely on things that you see that the protagonist doesn't know. Um, But when you're doing an audio found footage type thing and the character is (laughs) right there with you the whole time, then you have to completely change the way that the story is told and uh, rely on different ways to create suspense. The sound effects in Ghost Town Killers are stunning. They're so believable. It, It sounds like they are all recorded on location and they're amazingly tactile as well. So can you share with us how you achieve such great quality foley and sound? We were really particular about the sound design and making everything sound like it was on location. We found sound libraries, of course, but we also, if we couldn't find a sound that, like if we pulled something from a sound library and it didn't quite sound right, like sometimes you'd pull footsteps and it would sound like it was a 200 pound man walking around and, but it's Lilith Black and she's like a 23 year old smaller woman. So then like we'd have to basically like, like I would grab a pair of shoes and walk around the apartment and Jeremy would record it. Anything that didn't quite make our standard, we bullied ourselves. And that was really fun. You were recording this during COVID. How did that affect your process? Like, how did you manage that? Obviously, you couldn't have all the actors in a little sound booth. For me as a writer-producer, I loved it because it didn't involve me running around set putting out fires. And I was actually able to sit in on a lot of the Zoom sessions If they weren't recorded on Zoom, we would have a creative conversation with the actors over Zoom prior to them recording. And it was really awesome to actually be able to sit down and be a part of those conversations and providing the actors with direction. 
as a writer. I so regret not being able to do that on all the other things that I've been a part of producing. <laughs> Giltrude, I produced that and it was my first time producing and like literally just running around set, like trying to keep the whole thing together the entire time. And I never got a chance to sit down with the actors like that and go over the script notes. Yeah, it was a really great experience for me. Scene two. I'm always interested in how various writing teams collaborate. So what was the process like for you two on Ghost Town Killer? So I guess it started with a lot of conversations back and forth with us. Uh, Jeremy and I both really wanted to tell this story for different reasons. I actually grew up in a smaller town up north and then also spent a lot of my lifetime traveling around B.C., and I've always had a fascination with BC history and especially like the folklore around the province. I feel like my contribution to this project was a really a love letter to BC. We tossed outlines back and forth. Jeremy, I think, wrote the first draft of the pilot based on an outline that we developed together. And then we just tossed rewrites back and forth and back and forth. And of course, like the writing never stops even all the way up to post-production. Uh, we talk with actors who might have really great insights, friends who are writers who might have had really great notes as well, and uh, just made small rewrites as needed. Um, we kind of split up the labor with that. So I would say like, it's a pure, pure collaboration. Ghost Town Killer reminds us that in BC's traditional, you know, boom and bust resource-based economy, when the local mine or the mill would close down, people would lose their home and the town would become a ghost town. In Giltrude's dwelling, Giltrude's house wakes up in a different world every morning. This transient home thing seems to be a theme you're interested in. Yeah, it sort of seems to be the theme of my life sometimes as well. I find myself leading a rather nomadic existence. And let me tell you, during the pandemic, being stuck in one place for, I feel like, more than three weeks, like, I just started to really feel outside of my element. <laughs> I grew up kind of between Prince George and Victoria because my dad lives down there. So I'd go and visit him on holidays. And then even then, like we'd always travel around different places in BC with my mom. I moved to Victoria and lived there for six years after high school. <laughs> and then I came to Vancouver in 2013 from, I would say at around 2015, like I really started to not be in Vancouver very often. <laughs> Either like I've taken jobs where I've commuted to Victoria and come back on weekends. I've been spending a lot of time in the Okanagan lately. And then when our film was traveling the film festival circuit, we were constantly traveling. And I always feel the most myself I find when we're kind of on the road like that. <laughs> I, I, it's a little weird because I know not a lot of people really love that. But I don't know, it's nice having like multiple places to kind of come back and call home. And like, it really gets you thinking about what home means to you. If it's the people, if it's the physical environment that you find or feel most at home with, family, friends, opportunities. Yeah, it's just something I think that's on my mind a lot all the time as someone who travels quite a bit. Scene three. So Marcy, as a woman, Gal to gal, I always wonder in collaborations if you feel that there's a tendency for people to look to the male in the collaboration as the creator. In the course of being interviewed, have you found that there's any passing over of the female half? <laughs> um, I would say in the beginning a little bit, just because I was 
fairly new on the scene when we uh, made Giltrude's Dwelling together. So a lot of the time, like people would just not even know that I wrote it. I remember someone had written a congratulatory post on the short getting into a film festival, but they credited another collaborator of Jeremy's on writing it. Uh, and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> and then like sometimes during film festivals after the film, people would come up and like they'd shake Jeremy's hand and congratulate him on the screening and just completely ignore the fact that I was standing next to him. And he's really, really great at shifting the credit onto me when that happens and being like, oh, hey, this is Marcy here. She wrote and produced it. Or like they would ask him questions that you might ask a writer. And then he'd be like, well, why don't you ask Marcy, the writer? She's literally right here next to me. <laughs> now it's a bit different. I had a conversation with a producer recently and they were like, oh, like we know Marcy and Jeremy, they make really good things together. We're regarded as collaborators, I think, more widely in the industry now. And I hope that that has something to do with the fact that after Giltrus, I really tried to kind of strike out on my own and make sure that I still did have my own professional like independence. Um, and I, I love collaborating with Jeremy. I, I could collaborate with Jeremy all day long. But I also like realize that it's important, especially like as a role model for future female creators to also maintain independence. Good advice. Thank you so much, Marcy, for joining us. And good luck to you uh, with all your future developments on Ghost Town Killer and Giltrude's Dwelling. Thank you so much. Tail Slate. And that's a wrap. Join me, your host, Joyce Klein, for the next episode of Push In, the Cinevic Podcast. Mm-hmm.